everyone. Welcome back to When Your Heart Falls Out of Your Head. Uh, I am switching over to a longer form podcast just because these conversations are getting harder and harder to cut down. Uh, they've always been hard, but I have less time to do so and I want to leave in as much as possible. So today I am joined by a very special guest. You may know him from his band's Integration, Good Cat, Bad Cat, The Weakest Link Breaks, and many others. So without further ado, here is Jamie Ingracia. I am sitting here today with Jamie. Jamie, do you want to say who you are or say a little bit about yourself? I don't even... That's such a loaded question. It is. It is. Okay. You know? I will start by how I know you because that that seems to be a little bit easier. That's good. So I first met you at the front row when you were performing, I think like a one-off with your band, Good Cat, Bad Cat, um, I want to say in 2019, I want to I think. Uh, Sure. (laughs) Um, And I remember you, I can't remember the name of the song, but you had this pedal and it just had like this whirring noise and just like the song was just, I was so blown away by the atmosphere and like this, I was like, this is so cool and i saw tyler uh, ryan's bandmate uh talking to you and i was like oh you guys know him uh, and he's like yeah that's jamie he's really cool and i think i introduced myself and i was also taking pictures at that show so that is and i was like oh my gosh can i use this song for you know in a video somehow like where can i hear this again this is so cool um so that is how i met you that and then you guys never performed again (laughs) (laughs) we played more than one show we played i don't know it was less than 10 but we played a few shows and i don't remember which one that one was specifically but yeah i think it was like maybe like a a punk fundraiser it was before tyler was in the band though because dave played drums before tyler did was tyler in the band that time i don't think tyler was in the band so it might have been yeah so Yeah, we played, I don't know, we probably played a handful of shows with Dave and a handful with Tyler, something like that. Okay. And maybe two or three times at the front row, something like that. I don't know. How did you meet Tyler? Well, I feel like... I met Tyler through, I think, just coming to shows at at Josh Dickerson's place when he had the big gay mansion and the big gay shanty and all that. And the shanty, like, I actually never went to the shows that were in the house Mm-hmm. at Josh's place, but the shows that were outside in the shed were just as dirt floored, grass rootsy, just, yeah. it was just so, just, ah, oh, authentic punk, it was just so good, I mm-hmm. loved it, I loved it, and it was just fight club inside. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've never been, but I only saw pictures from it. Yeah, it was like, oh, it was so, it was so, like, healthy in the weirdest sense. Yeah. It was just. It would, I would, I'd just go to those shows and just be so rejuvenating on le- many <laughs> levels. Yeah. It would. Cause like even, I think even before that I was going to shows at, um, at Will's house. Um, Will's parents was doing shows. I forget what the name of his house was. Um, but yeah, Will's parents were cool enough to let everybody have shows and stuff there. And that's really when I started meeting some of the, what I refer to as the newer, younger kids when they were all under 21 and, and just, you know. Yeah, and unfortunately, Roanoke never had a play an all ages place, so yeah. the younger kids had to do their own thing, which I totally respect that they invented something for themselves, which mm-hmm. was really really cool. But I kind of I met Tyler through that network of of the newer bands that were coming up. Yeah, and I think 
when he was playing drums for Robbie and the Bookers, mm-hmm. I remember Scott, the guitarist of Good Cat, Bad Cat, and I were um, hanging out at that show, and we saw Tyler playing with Robbie and the Bookers. Yeah. And, uh, and one of Scott's jokes with anybody he's in a band with is he always talks about how replaceable somebody is. He's <laughs> like, well, you know, I can just call up this guy. You know, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of joke. Yeah. And so, like, when he started seeing Tyler, he was just like, Hey Dave, you know we got this Tyler guy on. The, you know we could always ask him. <laughs> so it's like our my friend group was that impressed with Tyler and his skills, and he's mm-hmm. done nothing but blow up. He's just he's really he's like Roanoke's top drummer right now. Oh, for, us. for sure. There was yes. like one person, like a younger, like twenty one year old guy, who realized that we were friends with Tyler, and he's like, "How do you know him?" And I'm like, "Tyler, he's just Tyler. Like he comes he comes by." I'm like, "Oh, I'm like." living in the renaissance of Tyler right now. <laughs> Tyler is really the coolest kid. Yeah. He is so awesome. He's just a really good person. Yeah. I mean, he's just he's just that easy. He's laid back. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I appreciate that you never know where he's going to show up to. Yeah. Our, our community crosses paths in so many it avenues. Does. It's different. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you agreed to Well, do I appreciate this. the invite. Yeah. Yeah. And when you messaged me, like, feedback on my episodes, I was like so touched that you like listen to it like well i know it's something that you're like pouring yourself into and to have somebody give feedback like as to like what what that episode meant to me or what i took away from it is something that you're hoping happens but you never hear that it happens yeah and so i kind of like to be that person that 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 you know and i hope to like recognize when i see somebody being passionate about something like that and i want to give them that feedback you know and i want them to to, to know those things that they're hoping that people do because I've been on that end too. I've been mm-hmm. on both ends. And when yeah. somebody gives me feedback, like I remember I used to put, put together a whole bunch of shows and stuff mm-hmm. um, years ago in, in town. And the first time that somebody came up to me after the show <clears throat> and he said, Hey, thanks. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, thanks for putting together the show. I've been wanting to see this band for a long time. So thank you. And yeah. I was like, and I realized like, dude, nobody's even said thank because I didn't do it for a thank you, you know. Right. But mm-hmm. I was like, he really said thank. It's like I knew people appreciated it, right? But he took the effort to say thank, and he was a good friend of mine, mm-hmm. you know. And I was just, I don't know, it was just like taken back. So yeah, that made me feel more purposeful, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was good. That was a good thing. That that is a good thing. There. And I think one other thing that made me even more excited to have you on was just I don't think we had been friends on Facebook before I ran into you. Um, and just seeing how, like, appreciative you are of things or, like, expressive and how, like, good of a communicator you come across. Like, you, I see the posts that you make about your partner and I'm like, wow, like, what a thoughtful and caring thing to say. And it's like, you, you definitely are someone who is very conscientious. And I was like, that's really nice to be able to have a conversation. Well, the purpose of social media is to show people the part of us that we want people to see. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say that. (laughs) That's true. But sometimes I think we can lose sight of what is a a good thing to show. (laughs) Have you been playing music or anything else that's been uh, you've been interested in doing? With music stuff... I really miss Good Cat, Bad Cat. We've just hit, you know, I think the pandemic hurt everybody and mm-hmm. it's just been hard. And I think that there's some, everybody's got their challenges. You know, the older you get, I'm, I'm 47 years old. 
oh, yeah. I didn't realize I know. that. And I've you got, don't look 47. Well, thank you. <laughs> and I've got two kids. They're 10 and 12, and I adore them. And, you know, anytime that I'm with them, I just have my dad hat on, and I'm totally all about them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it's just it's sometimes it's hard to get together with a group of people when you're my age with other people that have those yeah. things that pull people away. It's like I remember – like when I was 20, I had all the time in the world, you know, and mm-hmm. I thought it was great. And it was like, that's all I did was I used to skateboard and play music and go to shows and yeah. sit at friends' houses and <laughs> listen to music and order records online or, you know, on yeah. mail order. But, you know, that used to be the thing. But I don't know. I, I miss Good Cat, Bad Cat. It's just been hard for us to get reconnected. Um, and uh, so I started playing bass, uh, oh. which is very new for me. And I started hanging out with, um, Matt O and Phil, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of, I don't know, Phil's kind of become like my teacher with yeah. teaching me how to play. And he's been really, for being as amazing as a guitarist as he is, he's very patient with me learning. Yeah. And, uh, and Matt's just an easygoing guy. He just, he just wants to hang out and play drums, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's playing, Matt's playing with the good goddamn right now, mm-hmm. which they're, they're like, I guess, Roanoke's newest punk thing. Yeah. I think I saw them or maybe I'm confused. They played the show at. Did they play? What did they do? Were they on the? I no, they played like... at the Fork the other day. There we go. They okay. played at the Fork. That was their second show. They played yeah. in Blacksburg and then they played at the Fork. And um, Dave Tate fronts that band. Um, Corey's on bass, and um, he's just a, he's a really good dude. Mm-hmm. And um, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the guitarist name right now. We'll find out. We'll... <laughs> but anyways, no, he's a good guy. He's one of the older guys, too. So it's like, yeah. you know, and Dave's over 50, so it's kind of like the older punk kids kind of doing their thing. Yeah. You know. Do you feel like you would ever, or have you ever played any other kind of music, or have you always been a punk person? Mm, no. Anything music I've always done has always been in the more hardcore kind of genre of punk. Not mm-hmm. really, like, not even, like, straight-up punk rock stuff. It's more the hardcore subgenre, um, and I've sang in every band that I was ever in except one band I did for a summer that was called Two Hour Delay. I mm-hmm. played guitar. So I was in a band for a while. I was in a band called Integration for a while and Integration had a really long run in Roanoke and um and it was fun. And then after Integration like officially big broke up, mm-hmm. I felt like I just wanted to do something different. Yeah. And I felt like eyes were on me to be like, what is he gonna do next or mm-hmm. something? Mm-hmm. Which I don't know. That's what I felt. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm going to learn how to get to play guitar. And I'm since I've never played guitar before, I'm going to put together a band of other people that have never done their things. Oh. So I got a guy that never sang and a guy that never played bass, but I figured the drummer has to be able to drum a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's... So we did a band called Two Hour Delay, and we had a, a couple different bassists and played two shows. And, you know, it, it was fun and just sloppy, Yeah, but it was cool. So what, so what ended it, or was it always going to be a short-term thing? You know what ended what ended any band the so here's here's a fun story one of the more uh, bands that I still love that I was ever in was in a was a band called the Weak Link Breaks, mm-hmm. okay. and just the name of that band yeah was based on the fact that all six of us in that band we were we like had two singers and um it was just a good hardcore emo ish band and mm-hmm. um uh. The, 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 the reason that that name came up is because we were discussing, like, basically how long is our run going to be? Mm. 
because it's fragile, which yeah. is ironic because the band I was in was called Fragile too, but <laughs> which is for that purpose was yeah. because everything was so fragile. Yeah. And it's just the fragility of the band, the way it takes that relationship between a group of people mm-hmm. versus like something you can do and create by yourself or with a smaller group of people. Yeah. And it's like, you know, okay, this is six people we're putting into this band right now that all have their personal lives and all this. And then like, well, sometimes you say, well, who was the weak link? in yeah. this band or in that band that I was in. Mm-hmm. And though we had all been weak links in previous mm-hmm. projects. So in a way, by calling the band the weak link breaks, you have this visual image of a chain or some link snapping, which yeah. is nice to have like an action or a vision with it. Yeah. But really we, we used to say we are the weak link breaks. Like we are the weak links that break. Mm. So we have all been that weakness. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't know. I just still, and it was all written in script. Do you creating. feel like it was like, cursed because that was the name or that was like the mentality that went into it or do you feel like it was just i think if you don't go into it with that mentality then there's more heartbreak Mm, that that might be why i'm heartbroken over good cat bad cat because i just love it and i never i never felt its frailty yeah and now that it's you know it's separated it just like it hurts because i want it you know so going into that band the weak link breaks which is interesting because the discussion of us breaking up was two of us at the same time were going in completely different directions Mm -hmm. like jason was the other singer and he was going on with um engine down which did big things yeah and um and i was just really like settling down with the girl that i was with at the time and just wanted to just you know reduce a lot in my world Mm -hmm. and step away from certain things and it was funny because me and my buddy troy we're driving to Harrisonburg because we were more of a Virginia band. We had a guy in Richmond, a guy in Harrisonburg, a guy in Bedford, guys in Roanoke. <laughs> so it was kind of a big ordeal to get together. Yeah. And on the way driving, my buddy just said, this is going to be our last show this weekend, isn't it? Oh. And I was like, dude, how did you read that? Yeah. You know? And yeah. he, he, he sensed the, the weak link, you know? He sensed Dang. that it was happening. And so when I brought it up to Jason and Jason was like, um, yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing because he was really into doing engine down stuff and he was yeah. starting to play bass and they were doing big things and mm-hmm. you know they were going to start doing tours and recording and all this stuff. So Yeah, man, I, fun. it is fun. And that's like something that I didn't really, I mean, being on the outside looking in at bands perform, I, I guess whenever I've entered a group of friends or people who are doing a creative thing together, I always view them as being very tight knit and kind of like, that being the standard and like everything being very secure in that way. But as I'm like doing more things where it's like a collaborative effort, I realize just how fragile things are. And like, so one of my other podcasts, Twee Girls, um, there'll be times when we like don't align on certain things and we have to like work through like the direction of like the podcast or the vision or like, you know, those kinds of things. And worrying, I'm like, is she about to jump ship? Or does she think I'm about to jump ship? And I'm like, I'm not jumping ship. <laughs> but I can't make her feel like she can't leave because then she's going to jump ship. Right. And just like waiting out those feelings and just like working through things. But it always feels like, uh, I guess in a way, it's nice to not feel complacent in that way. But it, that that fragility of uh, anybody collaborating in any form is, you know, anybody can leave at any time. And it completely changes the nature of... Uh, what you're doing. It's so much like a relationship, you know, Yeah. <clears throat> so much like a romantic relationship with somebody. It's just, it's the same thing, the parallels when, you know, and then when you get a group mm-hmm. rather than just two people, the dynamics and the, you know, 
it just takes a lot of communication. Of course, you want to be like super tight with the group of people that you're in your project with, but yeah. you know, sometimes that doesn't happen. And sometimes you're just in it for, you know, almost like a casual relationship. <laughs> you're in it for the benefit and yeah. that's just where it is, you know, yeah. and you just appreciate each other's company and mm-hmm. contribution and thanks for help with that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so that's been, that's really interesting. And it's like, it's a bittersweet thing to hear about from, from you, especially your perspective of uh, not feeling that fragility and good cat, bad cat, but um, realizing like, you know, things are not what they were. Do you think, did you guys come to like a definite end or is it Mm-mm. kind of just left hanging? No, it's still hanging. <laughs> it's still there. Well, it's like <laughs> awesome. There's still hope. It's still, it's still oddly there like uh you know because we'll try to get together just to hang out it's like all right let's not have the pressure of you know whatever and then i was the stubborn one this just happened like two weeks ago i was the stubborn one. i was like well there's a show that i'm going to the show so yeah. y'all should go to the show and there's like that sounds great but i really think we just you know need some couch time you know just like <laughs> hang out and just be friends and stuff you know it's just like cool yeah. but i'm going to the show <laughs> it was like i was kind of a jerk about it i think you know uh but you know and then i think tyler was out of town so then it just turned into like because see we pulled brett into the band so we kind of have a second guitarist Cooper? Uh, no no, no, no. no, no, no good no. dude okay. but um um uh forgetting his last name now right now too which is stupid that's all right i don't know the other brett <laughs> but anyways uh, the last thing brett did was the make out with uh mike henderson was on drums oh, and stuff okay. the make out was a really good band i wasn't no, yeah, yeah. In, i wasn't in town at the time that they were active but I've been able to like look back and listen to all their stuff and some video. And I was just like, man, Mm -hmm. I missed something good. But, um, but yeah, so, um, uh, so Brett's kind of in the band. So we have a second guitarist, but we've only had like less than five band practices with him in the last two years. So that's it. No, that's (laughs) how inactive we are. Yeah. Yeah. One of the names that we, um, that we toyed around with was snail's pace Mm -hmm. as the name of the band, because, that's like how we roll (laughs) it took us forever to get the like six songs seven songs that we recorded and then in the last like four years we've only written like three more so but yeah you know in time do you feel like there'll be a change in the in the tides soon i feel like i've noticed that people are wanting like they're itching to do more oh i think that i think that the as far as our music community as Mm -hmm. far as the punk community i think that that roanoke's getting ready to to yeah do big things Mm -hmm. like i i just now that everything's reopening and people are feeling safer and you know hopefully the you know numbers of infection rates are being consistent and and manageable that i yeah i do i think that uh i think that roanoke's ready for something and then also i think that the political state of the country kind of determines what happens in the punk world. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was in a barbershop. I lived in Christiansburg for a while and, um, during my college days and I was at a barbershop in Blacksburg and there was an old punk girl named Tracy and she was one of the older kids to me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Tracy was running a barbershop in Blacksburg and it was, it was a pretty punk rock barbershop. And, um, so she had it right off of campus at Virginia tech. And I just remember getting my haircut there one time and she said something about like, Oh, I can't wait for Bush to be president. I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, yeah. She's like, because there's never any good punk bands unless there's a prick in office. <laughs> and I was like, that's an interesting thought. And I've thought about that a lot over the years. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's like we need that. That drives us, you know, it's yeah. like because, you know, there's a little bit of anger and angst and rebellion, of course, and mm-hmm. what it is that we do. And we need that from like 
the central source of like of of what it is to be an American, you know? Yeah. And like that's a driving force that I think will create a little bit more energy in yeah. the in the youth, and that's what we need is that energy in the youth that comes out mm-hmm. musically or artistically in some way. And I think that's when we get that's when we tap into like what matters to people, yeah. and that's when it's nice to observe and to appreciate what other people's outlets are. Right. You know, and be yeah. that in music or whatever it is, you know, it's like, I, th- I think that, I think a little uproar is good. Yeah. I, <laughs> I feel the exact same way. So I actually was asked to do, before I started my podcast, I was asked to be a guest on someone else's and it's yet to be released. Um, but he asked me about what do I think about the state of the arts community in Roanoke? And I was like, that's a big question. Cause I'm not like super involved. And I, I mean, I'd like to be more involved, but my answer was, I think it's fine. I think it's actually good that there's a strain because that's what encourages good art, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like having like a <clears throat> limitations breeding innovation, I think that that is like the best space for it. Because when I lived in bigger cities uh, like Atlanta, I, things kind of felt like a a one upping of like the coolest thing. Mm. Just from what I've seen, <clears throat> and that's really that. limited. Yeah. Um, but I think here, if you feel like you have something to say and you don't know how to say it, when you figure it out, it's going to be really cool. Hmm. And so that's what I think about it. But I, I don't think I expressed it as eloquently. I think I was just kind of like, no, keep it how it is. Cause, <laughs> cause, cause then you'll have some good artists. Yeah. When somebody says the art community, like there's so many, that's so broad, you know, are we talking about music? Are we talking about like, you know, wall paintings, sculpture? Are we talking about drag shows oh, right yeah. there's an art in that are we talking about theater yeah. are we you know like what are we talking about are we talking about spoken word and poetry or or written print or yeah. you know what are we talking about when we say the art community it's so like it's so like art is so generic of a word yeah you know it's like i mean you you have an art we have an art about what we do as people you have an art about the way that you put together and assemble your podcast mm-hmm. i mean in my career i'm a nurse and mm-hmm. as a nurse it's like you're you have an art about how you deliver your personal care to your patients mm-hmm. that's an art that's what makes you that's what that's your gift yeah you know is the way you do so i, I think i think of that word art it's like i think everybody has an art yeah you know? you're right and that's it is too broad of a thing it's like it's like me saying tell me about yourself exactly, like I <laughs> exactly. but yeah it, it's too much and but I think that, as you were saying about, you know, the music scene, I think obviously the past couple of years have been challenging. So I think there'll be some interesting things that are born out of that. Yeah. And um, you mentioned, like, being in a band is kind of like being in a relationship. Have you ever been married? Twice. And twice? And divorced twice. Yeah. Oh, wow. Do you, is it okay if we talk about it? We, we can. Talk about we can. It. It's just my story. It's just, there's nothing, <laughs> it's just what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... Okay, where can we start? Um, I guess we can start backwards. Have your experiences with marriage and divorce, like, how has that shaped what you think of it now? Um, so I guess, especially, I don't know, I guess I always had the viewpoint and the perspective that after I had, you know, moved out of my parents' house and I had lived on my own with friends for a little while, that eventually I would be in a house with a significant other of some sort and and then you know children would probably end up in the mix and then mm-hmm. you know I guess that that would be the model that we would be in happily yeah. ever after happily whatever but yeah. trudging it out you know mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but you know you find yourself in that position and then 
you know, things happen and that dissolves from mostly in that situation was from decisions that I had made. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of them I'm not real proud about, but there were, you know, but that, when that relationship, um, ended, I felt the need to, to do that right away to get back, right back into that model. Mm. And so, you know, I was with somebody and then we decided that we wanted to be together because, you know, she was alone with her kids and I was alone with my kids and we all liked each other. So it was like, let's do this. And so it was, let's get married and blah, blah, you know? And it was like, mm-hmm. now I'm back in that, that model of what I felt most comfortable of what I felt like I needed to be in. Yeah. But this last chapter that I'm in, I live by myself. Mm-hmm. My kids come and go during the, you know, 40% ish time that I have with them. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, when, when I'm with them, I'm total dad and I love it. I'm crazy about my kids. My mm-hmm. decisions that I make when they're not around, are often focused around them, you know, yeah. has something to do that they're always that influence, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, and it's a, it's a good thing, but, but learning how to be okay being alone and living by yourself and all mm-hmm. has been really tough for me. It was tough because in between my marriages, that was like the darkest years of my, of my emotional mm-hmm. state. And then, um, but then now it's kind of like, you know, I'm older and wiser and mm-hmm. I just realized that it, it can be, it can be good, you know, and yeah. find ways to enjoy your alone time and find ways to, you know, be creative and to do something like if I wanted to start playing bass and have a amp in the living room to turn on whenever I wanted to, yeah. could I have done that in any of those other arrangements? Probably not, right. but I can do it now. You know, yeah. I can just, the amp is right there next to the TV and when I want to play it, I play it <laughs> whether my kids are there or not, you know, yeah. I, I, Matt O was, had a, a, a cheap drum set that he just said yeah it's kind of just in the way and i want to get rid of it or something he said i you know i i was like would you really sell it he's like yeah he's i said how much would you sell for he said well i only paid 50 bucks for it i said i'll give you 50 dollars for that (laughs) drum set i took a dollar out of my pocket and i put it down i said down payment (laughs) you know and sure enough i got that drum set and what's cool is that my son wasn't really taken into like i want to learn these drums you know Mm -hmm. Um, but the drums are in my son's room now. Could I have done that in any other arrangement? I don't know, you know. Yeah. But I just set up a set of drums in my in my son. I was like, hey, by the way, there's a surprise in your room. He's like, whoa, <laughs> you know. He's like, that's cool, you know. But then he was like, well, I'm done with it. So I think my friend uh, Jason Garnett's son has expressed an interest in it. And I told Jason I was getting a set of drums, mm-hmm. and he was like, dude, Des really wants. It. And I was like, well, here, use the drum set. Just yeah. take it, you know. I mean, if a kid's gonna pick up an instrument, beautiful, <laughs> you yeah. know. So I was I was excited for that. Man, so. that's- Cool. It's are, just that sharing, you know. Are either of your children musically inclined? Obviously not anymore with the drums. With son. My son, he started playing guitar for a while, mm-hmm. and they were both in choir for a while. They, they're both appreciators of music, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my daughter has sung in choir for like a long time, mm-hmm. like a couple of years. My, my, my daughter stuck with it. My son backed out mm-hmm. and doesn't have an interest to go back. But the things that they've learned with being part of a rhetoric, Roanoke Children's Choir, yeah, Roanoke Children's Choir, has has been a really big deal, and um, because they learn music theory and stuff and all oh. that, which is I'm just like, man, I want to learn this stuff, yeah, you know, it's like I'm I'm encouraged by, it. and then um, and then Josie, my daughter, she's ten, so she just performed in um, um, uh, The Wizard of Oz at Attic Productions. Oh. Cool. And she was so stoked to be a part of The yeah. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So that was her first, like, real theater thing. Well, mm-hmm. she did something with uh, Cinderella years ago, too. So that's kind of her second, I guess, performance and, mm-hmm. and production. But now that she's mature enough to, like, really 
understand what it takes and see the the the, the collective creation of it like yeah. I, like a band like i can't do this on my own but look at what we did together yeah you know and that powerful the the, <laughs> the you know and the fact that she did i think like nine performances and then the sadness that follows but yet the connection with others and like we're gonna do this again we're gonna <laughs> do it again you know it's like after your first show that you play with your group of of, of bandmates it's like gosh we're gonna do it again gosh it was good you know yeah. so the fact that like she's experiencing that is 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 pretty awesome that is that's so awesome i when i was in high school my my best friend was in in theater and they put on a production of cats and just being on the periphery of it was very exciting but i have this embarrassing story where um it was opening night and i was hanging out with her and some of my other friends that were in the performance and they were like taya can i can we just like put some cat's makeup on you? It's like, it's just fun. Like we're already ready. Let's do yours. And I was like, sure. Yeah. So they do the whole cat's makeup for me. How could you say no to that? <laughs> exactly. oh my gosh. That's awesome. It was so fun. And then the director, Mr. Brown comes in. He's like, all right, it's t- you've got to go. Like we're, we've got to get started. And I was like, okay. So then I realized as I'm <laughs> leaving backstage, I'm like, oh, okay. I don't have anywhere to go. I just have to go and wait in the audience so naturally, I'm the first one there, and I sit in the exact, like, the dead middle of the auditorium, like, the middle row, like, directly in front. <laughs> people are starting to file in, <laughs> and then I can hear people whispering, like, ooh, they're going to do something in a Yeah, yeah, you're part of the performance, yeah. <laughs> right, right. And as the play goes on, the, the, the looks started turning, like, oh, she's just weird. She just... <laughs> He's disappointed. Yeah. Disappointed everyone. She just showed Great. up to the. She's just a super fan of cats, and showed up with her own makeup. It was your first cosplay. <laughs> it was. And so I like during intermission, I had to like be like, excuse me, and I think people were like, oh, she's about to do it, and I'm like, nope, nope, just <laughs> going to the bathroom to wipe this off. That's pretty cool. But going out with them afterwards like we'd go to steak and shake and like you were part of it i was a part of it but i could also like be outside of it in a way of noticing like the employees like oh here we go with the theater kids starting to sing their songs (laughs) just performing (laughs) yeah (laughs) but they are just like riding the high of like doing something together so that's that's really cool that your daughter gets to experience that yeah well and it's all it's also super cool because stevie my, my girlfriend stevie and her daughter joelle they are just super super into theater and and they they love it they love musicals and all that and so i feel like that's another like connection or link of something that maybe since i never grew up with that i can't give her Mm. that that creates a connection between my yeah my my people and my people you know yeah exactly and it's cool and then with josie's background singing in choir Mm -hmm. you know a lot of the theater stuff becomes musical and so i'm almost like the, the the girl that played the lead in the Wizard of Oz was mm. 14 years old, played Dorothy. Wow. She was phenomenal. And the consistency, because having watched it so many times, you yeah. know, which was cool for me as a viewer to see mm-hmm. the same performance over and over. And yeah. when they would switch an actor, actress or something, you know, and they would switch something and see like how that person did that role and, th- and stuff. And then see the consistency of some of the like lead roles and stuff like yeah. Glenda the Good Witch. Yeah. Like it, her lines were spoke the exact same every single time she killed it. Yeah. It was just like, and, and from my perspective, I'm like, is that a goal? Because if that's a goal, she did it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And as a viewer, I, I appreciated it, you know, yeah. I'm like, I, they, so those, those kids, cause it's a, it was a children's theater performance. So they were all high school and younger. Wow. It was impressive. It was impressive. Yeah. 
So where where was the performance? So Attic Productions, it's technically in Fincastle. So it's right up if you go, if you take 220 north um, past Lord Bottletot High School and you go a little further up that way. Mm, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. So does your daughter not have any stage fright? Uh, she'll say she does. Oh, okay. I don't yeah. know. I, she likes being up there. She's good. She's I, I, I was impressed. This She was really, uh, when she was a little kid and she did one of the mice and Cinderella, Cinderella. <laughs> when she did that thing and Cinderella, like as a kid, I mean, she was really, just really super young. And there was yeah. no, there, there's no way to really shine. But in this, mm-hmm. she played, um she was a munchkin and she was a jitterbug. And the jitterbugs uh-huh. aren't in the movie. The jitterbugs are only in the book. Right. Which I think is a perfect way to take something like theater, which me, I would read books if I could, but I just... I know to me. It's, it's attention span or <laughs> yeah. sleepiness or something. But like, you know, knowing that that, that theater kind of helped bridge that gap between yeah. knowing the movie and not knowing the book, mm-hmm. that the performance gave a piece of that, like the jitterbugs. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. like, because people are just like, what are jitterbugs? It's like, oh, because you haven't read the book. You know? <laughs> so yeah. she got to play a jitterbug and she was just so full of expression when Josie would do her thing. I'll show you pictures here in a little yeah. bit. But she was just full of expression with it. And it was just cool to see her do her thing, you yeah. know. So because of your daughter, it sounds like you now have like a new exposure and appreciation like for theater and I would almost want to do one with her if she wouldn't be offended you know well when I was a kid my mom saw that in me she was just like you really you should put together a portfolio and try out at Mill Mountain Theater I'm like Mill Mountain Theater you know (laughs) but my mom always wanted me she just thought that that was something I was capable of doing and Mm -hmm. I've always thought about it because I've always I've gone to shows and theater and and stuff and yeah and um you know showtimers is another small stage community that does uh, stuff in South Roanoke Mm -hmm. and um it's just kind of like you know if if i really wanted to i could i could get involved with something like that yeah. the commitment is intimidating but you know if you don't ask you don't find out and you don't know really know if you can and i haven't mm-hmm. done that but now that my daughter's doing it it's almost like you know let her get another one under her belt and then say what do you think if dad did one of those with you <laughs> do you think cool. you'd ever is it more so wanting to do it with her or do you want to would you try it on your own i would almost try it on my own but that's a thing about like who we are as people mm-hmm. like I'm not really good at trying new things alone. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I, I am sure. I am sure. Okay. That's tough for me. It's a big step. Like, I remember growing, like, gosh, I don't know. I was like, it was after college. It was like, I, I was, I don't know, sometime after college, it was like I had an opportunity to, like, go out to eat by myself. Mm-hmm. And it was so weird to do things like that for me. Huh. And, like, the first time I did it, I felt like I grew up. <laughs> I was like, I grew up today. You know, I'm like 25, 26, and I'm like, I grew up today. But yeah, things like that have just been, that's something that's hard for me. That's like, I don't know. Well, I think that makes sense, but it, it makes me wonder if you have always been someone who's, I mean, you're you're naturally very easy to talk to, but have you always had like a circle of people around you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Were you a friend group person or a best friend person? Uh, friend group person, really. Um, I, You know, and in that group, there's always a tighter circle. Mm, you know yeah. but um but yeah i you know it's like because when i moved out and i had my first apartment mm-hmm. um we we paid i think it was either 150 or 200 dollars a month for this little apartment in old southwest <laughs> yes oh my goodness. 1992 <laughs> <laughs> 1992 and um and uh you know somebody had just committed suicide a couple doors down in that mm. apartment building and it was like it was real life you know and then mm-hmm. the halloween that followed the first halloween Somebody was dead in the trunk, like, you know, Literally and then dead? like, yeah, there was, the old lady was missing. And when they found her, she was dead in the trunk. What? And then like, then New Year's, this is all like immediately after I moved out. <laughs> this is all in Old Southwest too. And then like, uh, 
New Year's New Year's Eve, there was a party um, up on like Mountain or Highland area on that yeah. other side because I was on a King George and Jeanette area. Okay. Um, but up on a Mountain, I think one of the houses up there that was like a duplex, the upstairs of it, a neighbor came over and they were having their little New Year's party and stuff, and then he killed four people. Oh and then God. set them up as if they were all still smoking and drunk, partying and drinking, and then just went home. <laughs> and then just went home for the night, and it was just like, this is happening in my town, like in my neighborhood, you know. And of course, that's not a that that that's not Roanoke. That that was just a streak, but you know. That, yeah, that was like that. Don't speak for all of Roanoke. That stuff don't go down all the time. <laughs> Those were some crazy sentences. You just it was told weird. Me. That that is super weird and unusual, yeah. especially for Roanoke. And we didn't have a phone, so we walked down the to the corner store and use the payphone. Oh, it sounds so old school, doesn't it? It does. That's I don't think did. there's payphones anymore. No, no. It's so funny when you <laughs> see a payphone these days. It's like, I pick one up. I'm like, does this work? <laughs> you know? Usually they don't, but I'm like, wow, it's like a relic. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up that thing you just told me about the four people and he set them up. And yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah, that ha- I'm pretty sure it was on Mountain. I think it was on Mountain Avenue. Yeah. Did you hear about, it's not. So that had to be like. 92 or 93 i think because i finished high school in 92 and okay. then yeah it wasn't any later than 94 mm, so it was okay. between 92 93 94 one of those that's bonkers yeah yeah it's kind of psycho do you think who you are today is who you when you graduated high school and when you just moved out around that time is is that is that who you expected yourself to be Ah, uh, totally not no no, I think we need to be easy on ourselves with that. And when we're dealing with life changes and just recognize that you haven't read the book yet, you haven't read mm. that chapter, you're writing yeah. it, yeah. you know, and, um, and you kind of have to, you have to, you have to let that happen. Like, I think there's, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot about who I was, but who I am yet to be is, mm-hmm. hasn't been written, you know? Yeah. And so I don't know. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I think you just gotta, you gotta be open. You gotta be okay with stuff. I think that when we're rigid is when we have our disappointments and I think it's harder to be in relationships when you're rigid, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think we just gotta be easy with ourselves the same way that we're easy and understanding with others. You know, like when you're in a relationship with somebody else, you gotta realize that that person has permission to change Mm -hmm. and giving that person permission to change is extremely important in letting the relationship grow. Right. But then you've got to give yourself permission to change. It's like mm. it's easier to give it to somebody else than it is to give to yourself. At least in my experience, yeah. that's the way that it's been. Is that when I see myself changing, I tell you what, one of my, I, I used to, I went for a couple of years, I went to counselors like heavily. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, during all the marriage divorces and stuff, because that's a, that's a bit tumultuous. Yeah. Tumultuous. Tumultuous. That's a, that's a, I think it's a new word for me. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. But there's it's an it's a lot of it's a lot of crazy going on. And and one of the things that the guy said to me, a counselor that I, that really like that it was another day that I grew up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he mm-hmm. said he said you know he said the same group of guys that I get together and play cards with isn't the same group of guys that I get together and have Bible study with. He was like, but those are both parts of me. Mm. He said, and that speaks to me, and that's part of who I am. He yeah. said, I've got to be okay with that, because when you feel like you're calling yourself a hypocrite, yeah, that you, that you got to settle that before you're, you know, it's like you got to be healthy before you can be healthy for somebody else. Yeah, it's like that's an internal thing when you think that you are calling yourself hypocritical, but you've got to recognize that no, that feeds part of me, that feeds yeah. part of my soul. Yeah. I I do like noisy music, but doggone it, you know, 
I like pop music too. Mm-hmm. And it's like that and it's okay. And your right. friends can pick on you, but that's okay, <laughs> you know? It's yeah. like I can play beautiful piano stuff and then still like rage on a guitar all you know. Right. Oh, that's okay, you know? And that's yeah. just who we are. That's who we are as people. And that's what makes people interesting when we meet people that we normally wouldn't be exposed to, which is like in a job kind of environment. Mm-hmm. And then we start learning about them and then we realize, Whoa, you're into that? Mm-hmm. Or whatever that thing is that's surprising. Yeah. That's just kind of like, oh my gosh, your drawings are amazing. And it's like, you wouldn't know that, but that's just, that's just part of like who they are. Yeah. Or it's just like, really? You go to church all the time? Mm-hmm. Huh? <laughs> oh, and I just didn't think, but, oh, but cool, man. You know, it's like, it's right. a, you do you kind of thing, but like, yeah. we're, we're, it's easy to appreciate that in somebody else, but like, you've got to know that, that that's who we are. That's what makes us interesting and, and beautiful people was the complexity of who we are. Yeah. You know? I, I definitely agree. And that, that does speak to something that i think about of like always trying to consolidate who i am to fit this idea of who i think i am and i'm like i i am those other things and like i you know some things seem like contrary but they're they're both parts of me and so you know realizing that you know we do extend a little bit more grace or not even grace we are just more welcoming and accepting of different parts of other people but for us, we're like, oh, that doesn't fit. Oh, we're I our haven't. worst judge. Yeah, we're it's it's that whole thing that we're our worst critic. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's all, a little deeper on an emotional being sense rather mm-hmm. than I don't like what I just created. That's ugly. So, <laughs> I don't like the way my voice sounds. I'm going to tweak this on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually something that I um, went through with the podcast early days. Is I mean, yes, I'm still in early days was uh, editing out all the filler words that I was using because I just felt like I didn't have a good speaking voice or I, I don't express myself well enough. And then just kind of gradually, well, it became too much to do that because I use a lot of filler words. And then uh, realizing that's just how I talk. And how I talk can change, but let me forgive myself for because I'm not listening to other people's podcasts and being like, oh, I can't. Right. I can't understand what they're saying because they said like and um too many times. And so it's just, it's hard not to be so self-critical. I think in a way, if I feel like I'm my worst judge, then somebody else judging me won't hurt as bad. And like, it doesn't feel good to feel like you're judged, but I mean, people are going to judge you anyway. It's going to happen. It's yeah. Happen. So you kind of have to just let go of that control or not even control. You don't have the control, but, uh, People are going to say what they want to say. You know, it's interesting. I think the first time I was judged, like I really remember being judged, was a was a big moment in my life. Mm-hmm. I went, <clears throat> year, when, when I was growing up and my parents split up, mm-hmm. um, crazy thing over 30 years ago, my dad got custody. Like moms always get custody, yeah. right? I don't know what my dad had to do, but my dad got custody. And my dad had, I'm the youngest of three boys. Mm-hmm. And so my dad got custody of us three boys and we lived with him for a long time. And I was in the Northside School District and it was ninth grade. I was going to go from Northside Junior to Northside High. And I decided finally I'm going to move to my mom's because I always wanted to be with mm-hmm. my mom. So I moved to my mom's and then I switched to William Bird. Mm-hmm. At Northside, I was like this kid that had his little group of friends but just skateboarded. If I had an identity, I was just a skater, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I went to summer school the year between the two high schools that I switched between. And um, I got to know some of the skaters at other schools. Yeah. And so I was just like, if I live in my mom's, I'm going to go to William Bird. And I met a couple of kids that skated and I was just like, oh, well, I know that they'll be there. So day one of school, it was like... I went there and um, and uh, got um, uh, 
involved with with the kids and the skaters there which was really funny because in the earliest days that i started hanging out there and they were just like oh cool you're the new kid and you skate and that's cool great and they're like hey you know do you, do you smoke and i was like no <clears throat> they said well do you drink or do you party on weekends i was like well, no because i just didn't have access to that stuff and yeah. i didn't do it and they were just like oh well you're straight edge and i was like oh okay cool you know and so like <laughs> yeah. The group that I wanted to fit in with gave me a label and an identity, and I got to I got to do that. You know, I got to yeah. I got to be that person, and um and I I've always really felt that 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 was instrumental as to who I was because for a long time I was I was the straight edge kid in town, even though mm-hmm. like we never really had a group of straight edge kids, but everybody knew that I was one of the few, mm-hmm. you know. But I actually owned the title a little bit more during all those years. And I, I don't claim I, I have a I have a great um, affection to the straight edge community now, but I'm not. I don't call myself straight anymore because I do. I like beer. I found out that. <laughs> but I didn't start drinking until I was like 36 or something. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I do. I like beer now, and it's that, it's, that's a thing of mine. It's fun. I like the craft beers, and I like drinking unique, weird beers yeah. with weird things in them. And it's just it's interesting and creative to me. And that's a new a, a new thing for me to accept is because so much of my identity was yeah. that I liked that about myself, that it gave me a way to be in with the kids that I wanted to be in with, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But um, – I don't know. Did I, I guess since you were a little older when you started drinking, but since you felt like that was a departure from your identity, did you have concerns about like the crowd that you surrounded yourself? Yes, with? it was. Um, I felt self conscious being around, like being at a show and drinking a beer because mm-hmm. at a show there was I was always one of the kids that didn't. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, the people and the faces change, and that's another thing is people, the the, the kids, the kids that are going to shows now that are going to be there still in 10 years, mm-hmm. they're going to be okay with you growing up. They're yeah. going to be okay. Like yeah. if it was today and you went today and screamed about, this is what I believe in. And then the next day you go to a show next weekend and you switched gears that they're going to be like, that, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause it's not, but if you fast forward 10 years, allow yourself time to grow and change. They've mm-hmm. grown and they've ch- grown and they've changed. And the scene has changed. The mm-hmm. people have changed, mm-hmm. you know, the ones that are still there that expect that of you are yeah. going to be okay. They're going to be okay. Yeah. They will. And so that was what I had realized, you know, it's just kind of one of those, the people that mind don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And, you're and right. The people that matter don't mind, mm-hmm. you know, which is a good, it's it's a good thing to remind yourself of. That is. If somebody's got a problem with it, you know, that's, that's obviously their problem and not mine. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Was there any like particular event that made you be like, you know what? I want to try a beer. I think I've always wanted to. Oh, yeah. I think I've always wanted. There's, there's a lot of stuff I've always wanted to do, but there's a lot of that I just will never do. Mm. Like I, you know, I don't too. I don't know. I've just always thought drugs in that sense were interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I was always curious. I was like, so what happens when you take that? What do you like? What do you do? See, feel? What does that? You know? How does that? How long does that last? Like, what? How do you feel after? You know? It's like yeah. I'm always like, I always just wanted to know, but I just didn't have like guts to do it, which is good right. because I'm mm-hmm. glad I never really did anything bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and plus, and I don't like, I don't really drink and get drunk. I enjoy like having two beers. And yeah. calling it good and being like, dude, that's weird. And like, oh, man, I'm going to try that one next time or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's just a fun, I don't know, it's almost like a hobby if that's not weird. I mean, it sounds like you enjoy <laughs> beer. Just enjoy it. It's yeah. like the whole getting drunk thing. Like there's many times where I'll go to a place and I'll be like, yeah, it'll be nice to have a beer. And I'll look at what beer they have. And I'm like, I'm not drinking any of that garbage. <laughs> and I just won't. Yeah. I just won't do it. It's like it's not worth it to drink it if it's going to be nasty. Like I like mm. the weirder, craftier, yeah. stronger, darker stuff, you know? Oh, like here, this is an inspiring thing to me lately. There's a guy, Josh Kelly, that used to live in Roanoke, and um, and he lives uh, 
somewhere else now. And <laughs> but anyway, he just he randomly contacted me, and he was around in the early '90s when a lot of my music stuff and all was was going on. Mm-hmm. And he he just contacted me. He said, "Hey, I invested in some Bitcoin. It's been really good to me. I got some cash that's expendable." I want to make right a couple of wrongs back in the day mm. because we never had the resources to do records and stuff like we should have been doing for our community at the time because every city had its like record label or two. Well, Roanoke yeah. never really had that. Mm. When we had people that would do a record or two on their own, but it wasn't like didn't build up into a record. And I right. had a big record distro where I was distributing and selling a lot of records and zines and stuff at the time. Right. And um and that went on for a couple of years. Well, this guy Josh was like, "Look, I've got the cash right now and I'm just going to go through all the old bands that I think should have had something. And he's actually going to put out a, this is, I don't know how public this is. It'll be public now. (laughs) Breaking news. I can leave it out. I don't think it's not that big of a deal. There's not, there's not many people around that even still care, but, (laughs) but for those that do, he's printing just a couple hundred copies of, uh, um, the, the, one of the bands that I was in integration. And so it's going to be an integration LP. Um, and uh, it's so neat to like see the art of the cover yeah. and all this stuff kind of coming together. So it's actually being printed now. Oh my so gosh! In so in a few months, it's going to actually be on vinyl. And the coolest thing is that you know, I I think if people want to pay money for it, they can. But I told him that I would really want to do it for free, and he just said, "I'm I'm." He said, "Like I said, my investment's been good to me, and I'm I'm willing to just throw money at it." In fact, the first seven, he's done two seven inches. The second one he just did was a band called Yokozuna, which was part of the Roanoke. Roanoke had a really big noise and experimental mm. uh, noise uh, scene for a while. In fact, okay. and um, and the guys in Suppression that that now live in in Richmond um, are still doing Suppression. Suppression was like international. Suppression is like a extremely underrespected band in, from from Roanoke. Like they get they get respect in other places and not home. Yeah. So Suppression is a big big deal. But Yokozuna was around in the in the days of Suppression and Idi Amin. And uh, Kojak and some other bands yeah. that were just that were just they were, they were all the members were intertwined. It was so incestuous, you know. It was just <laughs> it was like that, but like it was, and sometimes hard to keep up, which right. is which goes on in 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 punk scene. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah. So Yokozuna now has a seven inch out, and actually I've got a stack of them that I'm just supposed to give to people. So I think it's so cool that this kid, Josh, is doing this record label, yeah. and he's doing it based on. I just want to give back. Yeah. Talk about like I mean, what he could probably get his name on freaking park bench or some crap you know Mm -hmm. but that's not what he wants to do he wants to give back to the community that like felt like he made him who he is today and now as an adult he's got the cash Mm -hmm. you know and and he's able to do that and i i love that i love that and i want roto to have more of that because i want to i want to give some money you know because i mean i've got i mean i'm a nurse i got you know i get Mm -hmm. I, i do pretty well you know and um i just you know i'm just willing to do that's one thing why Good Cat, Bad Cat's thing has always been, let's do everything we can for free. When mm-hmm. we did our little uh, CD that we did of our songs, it was just everything was free. Every show that we've played that we've done ourselves, we've played yeah. a couple that other people invited us to play. Mm-hmm. But whenever we do a show, we're like, can we make it free? Because it's not about collecting you know, $80 from the door. It's right. about having your friends there and sharing this thing with them. Yeah. And if my band wants to record... We've got jobs. Yeah. We pay for that ourselves. I'm not going to ask you to pay for it because in a way, I mean, I'm just hoping you like it. I'm really doing it for me. Yeah. But if you love, I want you to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not going to ask you to pay for what my dreams are, you know? Right. And so like Good Cat, Bad Cat's thing has always been free everything. You know, we made patches and sure, we'll take a donation because things cost money. We made patches and a short run of shirts and mm-hmm. little things, but it was just, and stickers. And, but it was like, cause you know, that's what makes you a band. If you have a sticker, you're a band. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> gotta have a sticker <laughs> and um so but yeah but that's like you know just 
giving back and recognizing that you know, especially now and where I'm at in my world, I don't need, I don't, I don't need to ask people for their money. Mm-hmm. I just want them to enjoy and let me share what I, I've yeah. created. You know, that's so cool. That's really cool. Do you think? How do I get in touch with him to get one of those integration records when it's ready? I'll I'll give you one. He'll he'll send me he'll send me a good chunk of them. I mean, okay. I I told him I was gonna send him five bucks for one of the Yokozuna seven inches, and he sent me I think like twelve of them in the mail. He was just like just just I'll I'll send you some, and he just sent me a stack of them. And he just said nice. just you know give them to people that care. Yeah. That's all, and that's all that's all it is. It's just like this is something that's like it's long gone, it's past, it's part of Roanoke's history, but just for the people that care or were there that would want a piece of it or you know just it, that that's who it's for, and that's why he's doing it. Yeah. He just wants to do it for for people that give it on. You know, that's so. No, I'll cool. make sure you guys get one. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, we would love yeah. one. Yep. So all the members of integration have they are they still in Roanoke or in the area or have they gone? Oh gosh, Mikey, Mikey Forrester, man, what a what a person. He is so complex and intense. Everything Mikey Forrester does is intense. He is absolutely a killer, killer drummer. And it was just such a privilege to have him in our mm-hmm. band. He was just, he was a young kid. He was 14, I think, when he joined us. And we were all 18 or 19 or something. You know, we were, he was the young kid that we had to say, well, can our band play? Because he's such a young, you know, <laughs> it was like that. Yeah, that's and so like, young. And, uh, you know, when we played in Richmond or some other places, like at first it's like his parents were coming or something, you know, it was like that. <laughs> yeah. But he was so unbelievable of a drummer. And he's done some bands, and he's still in Roanoke. He's he's got his struggles, but man, he's just he's a he's he's su- he's got such a beautiful side to him too, and the people that know him know him. But he's just yeah, he's just he's had his troubles and his struggles, but he's such a good dude. Um, and then uh, Josh and Chris were the two guys that played bass. Um, mm-hmm. There, Josh does some. He's like some fishing tour guide out at the lake, and I don't know what Chris does anymore. One of the old guitarists, Jeff, um, he had cancer and he passed away oh. a couple years ago. And then um, Troy, who was originally, originally the drummer that became the guitarist, that during the phase of what everybody knew, he was the, um, uh, uh, he he's really, he, he always grew up around country music and he does like this country rock thing down in the St. Pete, Florida area. Oh, wow. It's called Grindstone Syndicate. Grindstone Syndicate. Yeah, and they're they're all you know they're they're different. It's not punk really at all, but his roots are there, and so he's got he's got a passion that mm-hmm. strains in it, which you get from the hardcore and punk community. Yeah. There's a passion that's part of what makes us what we are, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's got a little bit of that, and me just knowing who he is, I can, I can I can enjoy music that's a genre that I don't really feel drawn to that genre of if I if I know like people's intent or people's style. Mm. You know, it's like um um Austin uh. Austin, uh, why was it with me in last names today? <laughs> There's a guy, Austin, from uh, from Indiana that uh, he was doing some, uh, Tim Barry from Avail, that mm-hmm. went acoustic and did a hot, still does a whole lot of acoustic um, solo stuff, was had other musicians in and out with him, and, and Austin um, is one of the guys that uh, has done a whole lot, but Austin's roots are also in real bluegrass and, grass and country stuff, mm-hmm. and I can listen to his stuff just because I know he is just a good, good dude, yeah. you know, and I like him. He he played um, Marshall's Basement a couple of years ago, and it was just oh, a privilege to, nice. to to meet him and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah Dave Dave Tate brought him in town, and and he knows Austin personally, and so it was really cool to like hang out with Austin and get to yeah. know him. And he's just he's just a punk ass kid that that just he's just he's punk as hell, but then he like. He just loves playing country music, and he just mm. plays country music, you know. And it's like, and there's a lot. It's funny how like a lot of punks went that way. It was kind of yeah. folk and whatever. But no, the, but the other members in integration, um, old old integration, Wes, Wes was an old bassist, um, 
and he's he's around in town. He hasn't done anything with music in a long time. The only thing, the only person that's still involved in music, Mikey would be, if he would keep his drums and keep some of his life together. He's just so killer, but he's just he's a. Uh, it's just sometimes life is just a mess for people, <laughs> and I think yeah. it gets tough for him. And then, um, but Troy still being involved in music has been has been a, a good thing. That yeah. he's still he's still doing it and still playing guitar and he, he's playing guitar and singing. I mean, he's kind of fronting the band, which is weird, but it's awesome. <laughs> it's like I love it for him, you know. I'm yeah. just like I'm so glad that like you're doing you're being creative and like that's still part of who you are, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, he was he was the kid in high school that uh, I never forget. He would come to school. He had a kid before graduation and was even married. But I think oh, right wow. after graduation, and I never forget. He would come in late to math class in the morning. He'd come in late and he'd be like. Troy, you're late. You got to go to the office with a note. He's like, oh, well, let me write one real quick. Because <laughs> he was he was living with his like yeah. his kid and his and his girlfriend at the time, and so he would write his own note. Please excuse Troy, blah blah, blah and he would <laughs> sign it, Troy, you know. And then uh, and then one day he came in and she was like, Troy, you got to go to the office and get the note. He's like, oh, and he said, oh, he goes, just for the record, do you want to know why I'm late today? He said, why I'm late today is because he said last night he said. I got pulled over. I got three tickets. He said for speeding, driving without my headlights on, and not having my license. He said, and the reason that I was driving at three in the morning was because we ran out of baby formula. <laughs> and uh-huh. he's telling a class of high school kids, yeah, like this story of just his. This was just went down last night, you know. Yeah. And he's like, so yeah. I'll go put in my note at the office. Ah, sorry, I was a little late today, you know? And it's like, yeah. man, this kid's living a very different life, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, now, you know, he's he's my age, too, but he's, like, granddad times whatever. Damn! You know? I know! Yeah. <laughs> I know! And it's like, he's just, he's always lived a different life, so to, so to see that that, that that fire's still burning is is uh, is, That's cool. is is good, you know? I mean, if he's, he don't have to do punk art music. It's okay. Right. It's okay. Do you keep in touch with any of those guys? Yeah, I keep in touch with Troy. I yeah. love it when he sends me just his little sitting on the couch, just wrote this thing. Yeah. Or like he'll write an off song about like, hey, I wrote this song for my kid, you know, and it's just that that, that passion. Oh. It's that passion yeah. that, that, that I'm in love with. And that's mm-hmm. why that's why I can never like really go away from that's what drives our music community is that mm-hmm. passion. And, and that's, you know. It's just it's 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 a big deal. So and I, I I keep in touch with Mikey a little bit from a distance. We don't really hang out, but when he's around, I'm drawn to him. I can't I can't not just give him a big ass hug, you know. Yeah. Because because I, I I love him so much, but you know I hate seeing him struggle. But yeah, you know. Yeah. So, yep. The relationships we make are are unbelievable. I was actually at um at a show recently, and I counted five people from high school that were there. Wow. They were all punk kids that were part of my group in high school, and there was there was five of us from William Bird that went to school together. That nice. was at Martin's the other night. Oh, at, at, the, at the show. Because it was Jody who plays drums for um for uh, Hanoi Jane now, and mm-hmm. he lived right down the street from me. I mean, he was instrumental into making, into helping me understand music and genres, and our very first neighborhood band, Jody and I, were in together. And then uh, Matt O, who used to play drums for Hanoi James, playing now for the Good Goddamn. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so Matt O was there. Uh, so it was Jody and Matt O. Carl's a guy that works in the back at Martin's, and he was kind of glad to see familiar faces and stuff. And I forget, yeah. there's a couple others that were there that were just kids from high school. It was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this don't happen, you know? <laughs> no. So it was no, just that's cool. really cool. We had a, we had a pretty good uh, punk 
group there, you know? Yeah. It was kind of different coming from the two different high schools as I was telling that story because there wasn't, there was just like, you're just a skater over there. And, mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? When I started that story, I remember, this is the reason I started telling that story. We're talking about being judged. Yeah. And this was the point. So when I was at Northside and I was just this kid that was into skating and that was my identity. When I went to Bird, Mm-hmm. And I kind of got, then there was punk rock kids. See, at Northside, there was just like metal kids. Is that all? There was just normal kids, jocks and jocks and metalheads is all you had. Yeah. And then at Bird, it was like, it was so much more diverse. It was interesting. And then there was kids that were into punk rock. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whoa, what is this? And so like, I really started getting into different music and stuff through skateboarding. And that's really, yeah. that's how that happened. But when I was, during the summer before I moved to my mom's, I was in Kroger. And I had some skateboarding shirt on. And um, I walked through the grocery store. You know, I separated from my mom because it's yeah. not cool to always be by my parents' <laughs> side. You know, you're at the grocery store. I'm going to do my thing. Right. And so I was walking down a different aisle, and I walked past these two kids that were about my age. And I was like, hey, you know, just said hi as I passed them. And they, right after they passed me, somebody said, stupid skateboarder. Oh. And I was like, ooh, and it just cut me, you know. It was the first yeah. time that I really felt, like, insulted. And I remember I was, you know, gosh, I was, I don't know ninth fish grade or something but i went back to my mom and i was all upset i was crying <laughs> i was really crying i was like i'm not gonna let those tough kids those bullies make, see me cry you know but it was yeah. it really upset me and you know mom was just like look you know no matter what you do no matter what choices you make in life there's gonna be people who disagree with you or just don't like you mm-hmm. for whatever reasons they have that's just gonna happen you know and i was mm-hmm. like i grew up a little that day <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. and i was just like that really sucks so then when i got into the school and i realized that yeah, the skaters and the punks, they were, like at Northside at that time, the skaters and the punks, they were they were almost cool because they were different. Mm-hmm. Well, at Bird, it was so much more diverse, and you weren't liked anymore. Mm. There were people, and, my, and my, my friend group would, like, there was a history of having getting get in fights and stuff. And a lot of my friends would get in fights in school, and I'm yeah. like, that's weird. When Am, am I going to get in a fight? You know? Mm. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is they went to elementary and junior high and now high school with these kids, so the, 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 the roots were down you right. know, for these kids that were getting in fights. And, like, you know, a lot of my closer friends were were just getting in fights and i was like i've never been so hated before you know for just doing what it is that i want to do you know so anyway that's the second half of that judging each other thing and feeling judgment (laughs) that is so that's so interesting to hear um just because when i was that age like middle school high school age I always thought the skaters were like the cool kids. Yeah. Like it, it, even the, like the you dynamics. Knew it was up. <laughs> <laughs> I just always was like on the outside looking in. I was like, those are yeah. the coolest people. Like I, um, I think I saw Lords of Dogtown, mm-hmm. and then I, or no, no, no. I think I saw it after I had like, I think the first time I met a real life skater, I was like, <laughs> oh, whoa, and I was like, you go to the skate park, and he's like, yeah, like I go there with my friends, and I was like what that's so cool and i think they might have thought i was making fun of them but i really was just like no these are the the coolest people like forget about like the jocks or whatever mm-hmm. i was just like no these are like the i don't know i i always it's just interesting to me to hear that in any group everyone felt judged and yeah. i just never pictured that for skaters because i'm like this is the pinnacle of society right here well it, and it depends on what your view on people and this is like what we learn from our parents and all this stuff it's like when you look at the different social groups in 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 the youth you know or, or any high school and, you, and you, you look at the differences you can look at a group like the skaters and you can say 
well, they dress a little different, or mm-hmm. they color, they're a little more colorful, or, or, or they, they have, the, and you can look at that and you can say, that's great. Look at all that self-expression. Look at that artistic, look at that individualism, look at that. But then you could also look at it and say, what freaking weirdos, uh, you know? Yeah. And it just depends on like how, how were, how has those opportunities been presented to you in the past? Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like, so you see somebody that's handicapped, well, they got one arm. It's just like, Ooh, freak. Or is it like, <laughs> man. So honestly, how do they manage? Because like they mm-hmm. work and they drive and yeah. they like, and it's like, and it can become an interesting thing about, tell me your struggles. Like, yeah. I want to know, like what, what is, cause you're different. Cool. You know, you're different and that's yeah. great. But I want to like, tell me about you so that I can appreciate that rather than just be like, gosh, glad that ain't me. Right. You know, or yeah. something, you know, and then, and that, that's when it's not a choice. That's when mm-hmm. it's a disability and not a choice. It's just a perspective on it. So when you look at something that somebody's a choice, it's like, well, you colored your hair or didn't shave for 12 years or, mm-hmm. or yeah. you know, it's like, you know, it's like, why would you do that? And, and it just, to me, it makes somebody, it makes it somebody interesting because I'm just like, what, what, what is your story? You know, are you, are you yeah. not shaving? Are you not shaving right now out of, out of depression, out of expression, mm-hmm. out of, uh, I think it looks cool out of, uh, I want to be like my buddy Joe out of, you know, I mean, what, what is it? And, 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 and the answer is okay. Yeah. The answer has got to be okay. Right. But the easy out is eh, weirdo, mm. you know? Yeah. And then, and then I can make myself feel better for putting somebody else down mm. and that's the short road. You know, that's yeah. the short road rather than, than being like, you know, what can, what can I even learn about myself by learning about this other person? That's right. something my grandmother always told me. She said, read autobiographies. And mm. I, I listen to them. I, I call them books on tape. They're not on tape anymore. <laughs> you know, like, but I listen to audiobooks. That's what right. I should start calling them because they're audiobooks. <laughs> so I listen to audiobooks and like, I've, I listen to like, um, Michelle Obama's autobiography, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, Malcolm X's autobiography mm. was a really he, man that dude changed like I got yeah. a lot of respect for him and um it just uh just just interesting like when you learn about other people's lives I was there was some guy that wrote an autobiography that wrote a story about his relationship with his dog or something I remember but just hearing his stories about hearing somebody tell you their stories about their life mm-hmm. and like what what you can and can't relate or how that's so different like when I was a little kid, like I used to struggle by thinking, I'm never going to know what that feels like. I'm never going to, you know, like mm. a tattoo that's missing on my body. I got the art, but I never got the words. But it's supposed to say, I will die unfulfilled. Because there's a band called Downcast from Goleta, California, that had that in one of their songs, that I will die unfulfilled. And I just clung to that because I was like, there is no, I don't know what he meant when he wrote that. Mm-hmm. But what I what I pulled from that for me is there is no way that I will be able to know and experience and, and feel the things that these other people have, have dealt with. Like, I'll never know what it's like to, to lose my parents at a young age, mm-hmm, right? You mm-hmm. know, that opportunity is gone. I'm glad it never happened. You know, right. boom. I'll never know what it's like to have a house fire and have lost all of your possessions. Mm-hmm. I'll never know what it's like to have a younger sibling that died for who knows what reason, suicide, something, you know? Mm-hmm. People's experiences in their life that make them who they are. Like I can't experience all that. So in a sense of wanting to live and feel and know like to that, that would be fulfillment to me. Right. But I'm going to die unfulfilled because there's no way that I can do all that. So how do I, how do I earn those things? Where do I get that? I get that from, from learning about other people and finding out what makes them interesting and what makes them tick and what makes, what are you passionate about? Right. Oh, quick, quick other story. A guy I knew that had a business in, in, in Roanoke. He said, um, when I interview kids, because he he said I hire high school kids all the time. That's who my that's who comes to apply. Yeah. He said, and there's a my most important interview question. He says is I ask them, what are you passionate about? Mm. And he said, and if they can't answer that question, he said I will not hire them. 
And he just said, I want to hear, um, I've got these goals in life. Mm-hmm. I like to spend it. He said, I don't care if you tell me that you love gaming and your Nintendo system and you and you guys are tight and that's just what you <laughs> love doing. I, I just want to know that you're passionate about something and that you can somewhat communicate that. He said, if you can't be passionate about something and feel drawn to that, how are you going to be drawn to me and my business and my business's goals? Mm. You know? And just and, and as a small business owner, that was important to him. I'm not just going to hire people to just run the register. I want to hire somebody that's going to understand what we're doing here, you know? Yeah. This feeds my family, you know, and have a little bit of, like, a investment into it because it, it matters to people. Mm-hmm. So what's something that matters to you, you know? And then, then, then that's a tap into who you are as a person. Like, what are you passionate about? Like, that's, that's just, like, the greatest question. Yeah. Ask people that now. Ask people that. <laughs> ask people what that. are you passionate about? I feel like you told me, but you. I'm gonna ask you right now. What are you passionate about? I'm, first thing, I'm passionate about my kids. Like I want so badly to be the best dad ever, and 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 that best dad ever. Like, what does that mean? Like, who defines that? They do. You know, mm-hmm. if you ask them, they'll tell you that. But isn't mm-hmm. that what kids are supposed to say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah. like, I'm always criticizing myself. Like when I have a couple of weekends in a row that are just so, um, just not big and magical like i'll tell some of my closest friends like yeah well it's just another weekend passing we didn't really do anything and you know i mean we we had fun and we spent time i mean we went roller skating and we you know but but it's just kind of like there was nothing big there was nothing like there was no feeling nothing huge you know and then i I start getting down on myself and it's like no they still love that time where we just chill too you know Mm -hmm. Yeah. Staying at home is okay. You know, they don't always have to go. <laughs> right. You know, we don't always have to be blowing money somewhere and, and, and paying for some big experience, you know? Right. So, I don't know. Number one thing is definitely my kids. And then, and then I don't know. I mean, I, I care a lot about my friends. I, I like knowing that my friends are okay. Yeah. You know? And it, it, bo- it bothers me that I don't keep in touch with enough of them. But, like, there's just a lot of them to keep in touch with. <laughs> you know? Which is great. Yeah. Which is great. But, you know, I think that we all... You know, it's almost like when 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 somebody is sick or or something bad happens to somebody, we always we always start realizing, you know, I should have contacted them and things like that. But it's like, how many somebodies? If you made your list of all the somebodies that you should have contacted that you haven't lately, mm, you know, it's just yeah. it, it's a it's a big list. And I'm and I'm fortunate that it's a big list because I like my my network being that big. But yeah, you know, sometimes it's just like you just forget to tell people you love them. And yeah, so that's true. We could always do that more. You know? Thank you for giving me that tool. Because yeah. that's a good thing to think about. What are you passionate about? Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a big question. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I wonder if it's, an, if it's an easy question to lead with or if it's something that we'll have to get to. Um, because I think it's, it, if, you, if you just sat down and I was like, what are you passionate about? Well, actually, you know what? I think you would talk about your kids. I probably would because yeah. I know, because I know that, but that's also a question that I've asked myself and and mm-hmm. stuff too. But you know, if you just take the average person and just throw that at them, you don't you never know. Yeah, I don't know. You can try it out. I will try it. You out. don't have to try it out when the record is is, is recording. But just, just to, to your your yeah. random friend, I haven't seen you in a while. So what like what have you been passionate about lately? Yeah, you know, just yeah. like reconnect. And you know what? Now I'm like, I should I should have been asking my friends those questions. Well, what's your answer? Well, right now it's this podcast. Okay, but after that, <laughs> that's the obvious answer. <laughs> um, I'm passionate about my marriage. Mm. Uh, we got married in September, um, and I'm, I guess, to be more specific, I'm passionate about learning how to be with someone, mm-hmm. um, and I'm passionate about learning of uh, what's it like when they're 
when I'm not giving myself an out because I, I give myself outs all the time with other things or mm-hmm. like there's some excuse as to why I couldn't do something or, or this and that. And I'm like, well, I took this commitment very seriously. Um, now I've got to work through the parts of like when I don't feel good or I feel like the, I'm the bad guy or like realizing that like the ugly parts of my character and I'm like, oh, I don't like how uh, I talked to you or I treated you. Maybe I am just not cut out for a relationship. And he's like, no, that's not it. That's just a habit of your thinking of like, I'm bad at this. I'm going to bail or I'm the bad guy and I'm going to bail. And I'm like, you're right. Cause I don't want to bail. It's just, I just have a habit of doing that. So that's been a passion of mine of like just changing that pathway and, and not being so automated with my, my responses. Negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. Hearing yeah. your own voice. Yeah. yeah. That's a tough one. It is a tough one. And also, um, I'm passionate about my family. I've had like a an interesting life where my mom remarried and now she's going through a separation with my stepdad and he's kind of always been out of the house. So it's kind of always just been me, my mom and my youngest brother. Um, my, my dad has four other children and I'm trying to rebuild those relationships cause he moved across the country when I was six. And, um, right now I'm trying to, my sister just had a baby and her twin brother also just had a baby. And I'm trying to, I'm like, we need, to, I want to be more of a family. And I have this example of Ryan's family where we do Sunday dinners every Sunday. Cool. And I'm like, I it's not just a good practice, but it's an effort and I want to make that effort. And even seeing the changes of like, my brother called me at one in the morning just to tell me about what's going on with his life. And it may have been TMI cause he was telling me about girls, but I'm like, if I say the wrong thing, he's going to shut down. And mm-hmm. he for like 10 years has been very shut down. Hmm. And I'm like, I'm getting to see my baby brother again. And that's been, Ooh, that got me, but yeah. that's been really a, a really emotional process for me. So that's what I'm passionate about. You know, I, I, I would like us being new friends. Um, I think you're really passionate about personal growth. Mm. That's what I've perceived. Okay. And, um, I also want to point out that, um, family is interesting our relationships with those in our family because it's good practice because a lot of times we don't always like the people in our family Mm -hmm. as much as we like our friends right but you learn a lot about your relationship with them because you kind of have to it's something you have to maintain because that won't go away yeah and it's it's good and i think that it's again it's an opportunity to say find find things to appreciate because they may might have the same interests or hobbies you know that i do Mm -hmm. but i still appreciate them yeah. Because the family doesn't go away. Yeah. You know, that they're they're going to stay. They're going to stick around. That and that's, is that's a tough one, but it's a good exercise of like how we interact with people that we may not always prefer to be around. You that, know? That is very true. So. Because I, I think, so my, my best friend that I met in high school, who's still my best friend now, and we actually are coworkers now, <laughs> um, I just have always known that I'm like, if my mom was her age or if she was my mom's age, they would be really good friends. Hmm. Uh, just how they are. Like, I don't even need to be in the room. Like they have their own separate relationship. Right. But I don't necessarily think that with my mom, like I love her. She's, she's my mom. Good. But I know that I'm like, 
I think had we just been friends in another web or acquaintances, I don't think she would have liked me. Oh, yeah. And like, not that she doesn't like me now, but she's learned how to be around a different kind of person right. through that. And so that's, and I've also learned like her skills of like, I think we're more similar than we are different, but just the, there's just certain gifts that she has that I don't have. And I think she feels the same way. And I just am like, I, I should take more time to appreciate that about her. She's the most generous person I've ever met and mm-hmm. like generous with her time mm-hmm. and uh, fun love. Everybody's fun loving, but she knows how to bring the energy of a room up or like, and I used to be so embarrassed about that as a kid where I just wanted, I think I have always seemed a little bit more cool headed or just kind of, uh, I don't know, but my mom has always been like a ball of joy and like so fun to be around. And like, it's interesting having your mom be the fun mom Mm -hmm. and then feeling like you're like the counterpart, like the opposite of that. And like, seeing how that interaction play out. So I think for a while I was like jealous of that, that it just comes so naturally to her. And then I realized Mm. I have my own gifts and I can lean into that and be welcoming. So I think that's just been an interesting thing to have to learn how to appreciate other people's different things that they bring to the table. There was a social group that I was, that I was in that really valued a certain aspect of, of people. And it was the ability for people to, to, um, to like to to present and um but yet there's there's different ways of of connecting with people and Mm -hmm. it's not always being the one that's being the presenter to a group um there's a lot of people like you say gifts there's a lot of people that have gifts that are um a lot more one-on-one like Mm -hmm. this you know and it's like well i may not be the public speaker or the teacher um but i can definitely like get down in some good conversation and like you know that that that's where being able to appreciate the person who has that personality is, is it takes harder because they develop those one-on-one mm-hmm. rather somebody else is speaking to numbers at a time, right. you know? And so somebody in a, in a, in a community that can, for example, perform on a stage mm-hmm. is, is, um, is, is going to be more visible and is going to be easier to, and quicker to, for people to appreciate because yeah. of that visibility. But yet when you're doing one-on-one things like this, and this is part of the community, mm-hmm. it's, it's harder to, for, to, to develop that appreciation for somebody unless you're, you're involved in that. It's smaller yeah. and there's relationships, but they're tighter and they're deeper, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, but it's just the way of appreciating people. You yeah. Know? And then it just, uh, it just gives me a way to, to learn or like, I know that like every place my mom's with, my mom's an attorney. Hmm. And whenever I'd go with her to the office, we used to, we used to live in New York. And as a kid, I would just kind of like roam around the building and everybody would know her, even though they didn't necessarily work together. And there would always be some person, always like an older person with like white hair. And they'd be like, your mom's something special. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, she really is. She knows how to, she just knows how to be around people. I want to be that old person that talks to the younger kids and says the littlest thing. God, you know, I was in, uh, I, I went to church one time when just to, to get some, some time with my kids. Mm-hmm. And so I figured that if she's taking them to church, if I, she can't stop me from showing up to church. So I'm going to show up to church and I'll at least see them for a minute before and a minute after. And that's, that's just what I needed because at that time I was so hungry for my children, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did that and, um, 
this old lady came up because they sat, you know, we sat separate from each other and I saw him before and I saw him after. And this old lady came up to me after the church service and she said, I see what you're doing. She said, keep doing it. Oh. I was floored. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely floored because I'm not thinking, I was not thinking about impression. I wasn't thinking about being judged. I was just, I was so darn focused on yeah. getting a quick hug from my kids and, and, and just some, just some, I just needed, I needed to show them that I was there. I need, I needed to know, you know, yeah. I just needed that. And then she just said, I see what you're doing. Keep doing it. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, you know, and like, you know, and then you start thinking of, Oh, you know, people have so much stories of like going to churches and being judged and all this stuff. And like, you know, there wasn't many people that are just like, Hey, new guy, how are you? You know? Mm-hmm. And it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that kind of experience, but it was that one old lady. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I just want to be like her, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I want to have, I mean, that's just, that's just, you know, that, that was powerful. That, yeah, powerful. I can imagine. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, that's a goal of mine too. I want to be that person who can see well, someone and appreciate that and let them know. Like when you see, when you see a parent and their kid and their relationship is struggling and the kid's just being, you know, just being a teenage brat or something. Yeah. It's like just kind of dropping hints, like. Do you have any clue how much that parent loves you? Mm, you know? Yeah. And like me, I'm a big, I'm really pro dad. Like I love seeing dads be good dads. I love seeing guys step up and be who they need to be for their kids. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm still pretty, I'm dedicated to my stepkids from my second marriage too. Mm. And I love, I saw my stepdaughter twice this last weekend, which is just awesome. Yeah. And I love maintaining that relationship with mm-hmm. them because, you know, I mean, we've played a role in each other's lives, you know? Right. And, um, and we've taught each other a lot about ourselves and they've seen me grow up and I mean, gosh, they saw me show up and I did, showed up in their life and I dated their mom and I married their mom and I lived with them. And then me and their mom split up and we had our problems and there's always two sides to every story, but yet they're still, they still, they're still maintaining that relationship and I'm committed to them. You know, when I married right. their mom, I married them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, um, but, but those relationships and just seeing, so I just, I, I just love seeing dads do the right thing and it's encouraging. And so like when you see relationships struggling, if you just stick your head in there Maybe it's intrusive, but just like, you know, yeah. that parent that they, they really love you a lot, you know, yeah. and it's just, it's, you know, you can try. I mean, they can tell you shut up and you go on your way. <laughs> Honestly, anytime somebody said that to me, it's, it's stuck with me for a long time, but I didn't value it in the moment or I didn't present to them that like, oh yeah, right. okay. I'm thinking about it, but I, I thought about it mm-hmm. until all, it's all those little things. They count. It is. It is. It don't take much to like you know, influence or inspire and, and do that. It doesn't take much effort at all. I went through a big thing of that when I was growing up. I was like, I really want the confidence just to be able to go up to somebody and give them a compliment. Total stranger. Just Mm -hmm. be able to just say, your outfit is just so cool. (laughs) I just wanted to say that. Have a nice day, (laughs) you know, and being able to have the confidence to do that was Mm -hmm. a, was a big, big deal. So I would, I would practice it when I was like out of town. I'm never going to see these people again. (laughs) I just wanted to stop. Just like, you are so beautiful. I just wanted you to know that have a nice day (laughs) like like no i'm not asking for your number i'm not nothing you know it's just i just want i just want to be able to i want to have the confidence to give that Mm -hmm. and i want i want you to have a smile because somebody said that that's all that's all that does it for this episode thank you for listening